Uh oh. Uh oh. Yes, indeedy. Fat Kid is on the track. But, uh. You're listening to yours truly. The hostess with the mostest. The greatest of the great. The incomparable. TGOLCE, Mr. Yoin, Little Dreadhead, 1993. Oh, Little Dreadhead. Beats provided by Fat Kid, of course. But there will be more where that came from. Tune in. This is Little Dreadhead Live. Greetings, people. It's your boy, Little Dreadhead. This is Little Dreadhead Live. We are live. Technically, I'm live. You're just listening. This is a pre-recorded audio tape, and we're gonna do a little, we're gonna do things a little bit differently here. It's currently June 11, 2017, Sunday, 11:47, 48 now a.m. And um, yeah, I, I said we're gonna do things differently because I don't have my notes with me. The notes are usually saved in my MacBook, my laptop right here, the one I'm using currently. But for some reason, all my videos, all my notes, and all these other files that I usually have saved on the front of the desktop have been wiped. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where it's at. And currently, I am low-key pissed. I'm happy because uh, at least my video projects are on my terabyte hard drive. That's good. But everything else is gone for some reason. So I don't know if it's because I have to restart the laptop right now and it's just sitting here. Or I don't know what the fuck happened. I might just restart it way before I even do the show so I can see if I can find the notes and see if everything is back. But um, if the notes are not up here, which is the notes I have for my Raw and SmackDown June 5th, June 6th edition along with the wrestling news, I might just go ahead and just ad-lib and go off uh, off key or just go, you know, what from my memory banks, because I actually watched all the shows this week. Like, And it's a shame, because Raw was actually good. I give it a good, I want to say a B-plus, maybe. Yeah, it was good. It was interesting, especially with the Samoan Joe, of, the Samoan Joe standpoint. Yeah. So, um... Let's get a word from our sponsors, and I'm going to restart the computer after this, along with that, and then um, I get back, hopefully everything's here. If not, then I'll just go off from the top of my head. Little Dreadhead Live is brought to you by Little Dreadhead Productions. Little Dreadhead Productions, hire us. We do stuff for you. In all seriousness, we are a small production company in the local St. Louis area. We deal in all that is media, videography, photography, and graphic design. Whether it's shooting a music video, your meetings, or a special wedding event, doing a photo shoot or a family photo portrait, and creating you a website or logo, we help improve or build your brand. You can inquire us through our business page on facebook.com slash Productions. Make sure you like that page. Or you can follow us on Instagram at Productions. And you can email us at LittleDreadHeadProductions at gmail.com. Thank you. Also, got to give a shout out to the homeboy, Dominique. Dominique is the young man that provides me with the beats every week. The theme, the intro, the instrumental that you hear every Wednesday and Sunday for this podcast. You can hit up Dominique or inquire him for beats if you're a local artist or a hip-hop superstar. You need a mixtape or an album? Go hit up Dominique at his Twitter handle at FatKidBeats, or you can go to his Gmail at FatKid at gmail.com. Also, I give a shout out to the homeboy Tavon. Tavon has his own clothing brand, his custom t shirts. You can inquire him for your own custom tees. You can also get your very own Little Dreadhead Live t shirt, probably a Little Dreadhead Production t shirt, and 
practically any other t-shirt custom tees you got the matching couples a husband and wifey so go ahead and inquire him at facebook.com slash latg clothing or you can go to spreezy.com slash latg clothing the latg standing for look at this guy clothing look at this guy clothing say it with your shirt but uh getting back to the task at hand it is currently 2 24 p.m now and i know that it was a fucking time gap a huge time gap that was like what 11 28 all the way up to 224 yes sir yes indeedy had to update the computer exactly what i said i had to do i don't i never had to update my mac yet well i've updated it before but i never had to update it and then think everything would be gone the notes are still not there people i had a lot of important notes in there i am sad to say they are gone i should have been saved them in some microsoft file but hey not a lot of things gone that can't be brought back, you know. So there were ideas in there for future video ideas and all this other stuff. But, hey, it is what it is. I'll, you know, I'll just remember off the top of my hand what happened. Also got the handy-dandy laptop right in front of me. I'm looking dead at the screen. A full quick recap of, like, matches and whatnot. So, you know, I could just go through this. It doesn't really hurt much. But, um... Well, one thing I wanted to know that I always, oh, here it is. Wow, they really got it up here. So, uh, Monday Night Raw took place June 5th, 2017 in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Uh, let's see. I felt as though, obviously, the over. I'm just going to start with the overall. The overall of it, I actually liked it. Not going to lie. Now, each week, I've been shitting on the product and shitting on the show in general. And it's like, bro, I can't watch this anymore. I feel like I don't want to do this anymore. But, hey. I, st- I stick with it through the worst times. I stick through it with the good times. But um, one thing that made me feel like this was going to be a shit show was how I got a notification on my phone. Uh, immediately it says, Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt will open up the whole night for the beginning of the day. And I'm thinking, fuck, we really are going to do this. We get in the feud again. Bray Wyatt versus Roman Reigns. Anybody but you, Roman. And I'm thinking like, shit, here we go. Roman, uh, of course, I think the show opened with uh, Bray Wyatt coming out. He did his usual shit. Uh, he tried to talk in wisdom and riddles and, you know, magic and all this bullshit. You cannot, I mean, goodness, I've, I've listened to a lot of other podcasts as of last week. And I thought to myself, wow, hearing other people just like what I had to say. If you really thought Bray Wyatt was going to go against Brock Lesnar, the only way he was going to do it is because, uh, oh, they want to just give. They want to just give Brock Lesnar someone to feed until Braun Strowman comes back. But then again, Braun Strowman is getting fed too. So I kept telling my. I think I. Well, if y'all listened to the last episode, I mean, I told my uh, co-hosts that. Um, yeah, of course, this match is just a match to see who gets to lose against Brock Lesnar. That's all it is. Brock Lesnar. They have their sights set on this WrestleMania Roman Reigns versus Brock main event, and quite frankly. I'm not a fan of this. I Obviously, I'm not a fan of this. Not just because, oh, it's Roman Reigns. But, I mean, really now. I mean, really. They keep shoving this shit down our throats. Like, not even. I'm not even trying to say I'm a Roman hater. I, I would like Roman Reigns. I, like, you know, I would like Roman Reigns if they just let him organically get on top of the card and do his thing. But the way they have it set up where it just seems like uh you know we do we know who's gonna be the chosen one it's roman i wish it was more of a like a variety of other stars that you can believe in like i've been saying or stressing for the last few weeks you can't believe in none of these motherfuckers 
So, I mean, you can. But it's Brock Lesnar. And that's kind of the reason why I'm happy that Simone Joe won. But then again, what does this do for Joe? Now, personally, I would, if, if Simone Joe's losing against Brock Lesnar, that's the bottom line. They've even said it, and this is part of the news thing that I remember. In my news article, I heard um, Braun Strowman is indeed going to be back ready for uh, SummerSlam. And SummerSlam will be Braun Strowman's championship match against uh, Brock Lesnar. So, obviously, they're probably going to wrap things up or try to tie things up real quick between the Roman and Braun thing. He might destroy him and then, oh, I'm done here. It was just... Just finish it off. That's it. No more feuding between the two, which is bullshit because, you know, they will feud down the road in the future sooner than later because that's how this booking shit goes. The nonstop over and over. Same old shit. But that's not the point. Point is, uh, if Simone Joe's going to lose, I would really want to see Simone Joe lose by maybe like the two fighting the crowd or do a count out and then they give us some bullshit logic because, you know, they always give us bullshit logic. Brock Lesnar. Simone Joe maybe DQ each other by you remember that match at Unforgiven between Undertaker and Brock Lesnar? Uh the match ended in a no contest. I believe Brock Lesnar disqualified himself, but not not in that way. I don't want to see Brock I don't want to see Brock Lesnar disqualify himself because he can't beat Simone Joe. I wanna see uh the two just go in the all out brawl out of nowhere, like, oh shit, they really are just fighting now type shit, you know? And then the brawl just lashes out all over throughout the crowd or throughout the arena. And then they just end the show like that. And then, of course, you know, Samoa Joe's going to be like, I want a rematch. I want another chance to fight him. And then, of course, Kurt Angle might come out and say, you got to you gotta earn that shot. And then Braun might come back and destroy. I, you know, see, they might have some bullshit logic where it's like, you got to fight Roman Reigns for your number one contendership. Yeah. Probably some. See, I'm going super into the future. Bottom line is, I want to just see Samoan Joe not lose decisively to like a F5 or a Kamora lock or just some random. Oh, he got dominated. Suplexes all throughout the match and bullshit like that. You know, I don't have a problem with that. I just don't want to see him lose and, you know, lose credibility. Because if he loses, he loses credibility. Then it's like, okay. Because the only person that's going to. If Roman Reigns beats Brock Lesnar. That just shows that, oh, Roman Reigns is on the same level as Brock Lesnar. But then it just shows that the rest of these characters, after Roman Reigns wins and Brock Lesnar, after Roman Reigns wins and then Brock Lesnar just falls off and probably, like, I don't know if he renews his contract or not, at the WrestleMania, this the next WrestleMania after that main event, then what? I mean, Roman's going up against some of these these um, heels that's not credible. I mean, I can see Bray Wyatt going against him and then trying to make it seem serious, and it's not. Because, I mean, really, Roman Reigns just showed that he can go toe-to-toe with Brock Lesnar, but then you show all these other people are just jokes compared to it. And then, eventually, you're going to have to show that, oh, there's some chink in the armor of Roman Reigns, and then yeah, then you show everybody else is capable of fighting or some bullshit. You know what I'm trying to say, but yeah, anyway, this is a regular match. Uh, Roman Reigns won, of course. Uh, Bray Wyatt, I really thought that, I mean, Bray Wyatt, why did they do this? They sent him out there, he did his promo, and really, his promo, his whole little thing was he's going to punish every single one of the men that he fought in that pay-per-view that night before. He really said that. He was going to punish everybody. I mean, goodness, it's one thing to send him out there and fight Roman Reigns. Did they send him out there to say that shit? Did they tell him to say, hey, you're going to punish all those people? Because, I mean, really, if you're going to punish all those people, at least at least let him fight Seth Rollins. 
or Finn Balor, someone else before he gets to the others, if that's even going to happen, because I don't believe it. I mean, today is Sunday. Tomorrow, Monday Night Raw, I bet you he's just going to go after Finn Balor to continue that, or hell, he might even keep going after Roman Reigns. But please, if you're going to send Bray Wyatt out there to do something, they should have at least had Roman. If Roman was going to cut him off, he should have cut him off right before he said that shit. Because I don't believe in any of the shit that he says now. For him to come out there and say, oh, I'm going to punish all the rest of those people that that beat me in that match. Uh, Good luck. Because the way, at the rate you are in, you know, the shit that's going down with you, I don't believe in much of anything for you at all anymore. So, yeah, Roman beat uh, Bray Wyatt. Then we move on. Uh, I apologize if I don't have all the backstage segments uh, in my head. The one backstage segment I can throw out there, uh, it, it correlates to the women's championship match that I'll go into a little bit later. But let's move on to the um, uh, the next stint here, which was Dean Ambrose attacking Elias Sampson. I believe Elias Sampson sang, and of course, that's boring to me. I felt as though I didn't want to be there anymore, and then Dean Ambrose came out. Dean Ambrose came out, he beat up Elias Sampson, and I thought to myself... This is kind of, I don't know, it's just so, yeah, it's boring. I mean, Dean Ambrose, they're trying to, I don't know. It, it, I always got this vibe that Dean Ambrose was kind of like God of Russia. So, Brian Pillman, the crazy lunatic, do anything, you know, and Stone Cold, a mixture between those two. But, I mean, as it's, it's, it's much as they've, like, watered him down, I just don't take him serious anymore. He's entertaining. He does his thing, but it's just... You know, after a while, so many L's and so much less progression for his storylines and all the bullshit he's been through. I just don't believe in him anymore just as much as I don't believe in Bray. Until, like, I don't know. I don't even know if you can even say he's coming. He's not as far um, down the card as uh, Dolph Ziggler, but, you know, um, he does his thing. So, uh, he just attacked the last Samson. I believe he went backstage and Kurt Angle went into this... uh, you shouldn't. You should take the night off after he asked him for a rematch for his Intercontinental Championship. Kurt Angle told him that um, the Miz had Maurice had planned the Miz's celebration, so no Intercontinental Championship for him, which confused me because I thought, um, you know, him being the babyface uh, GM, I figured that he'll do the right thing, but uh, I guess not. So we move on to um, what else happened? I believe. Yep, here it is. Yeah, Paul Heyman confronts Samoa Joe. So, um, this was the best part of the night. Best part because uh, at first I was worried that Samoa Joe would go in uh, just as this, you know, fish out of water. Uh, Brock Lesnar, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Brock Lesnar's going to beat the shit out of you when the pay-per-view comes up, which is going to happen. But this gave me some hope that, hey, maybe uh, he'll have some offense or maybe he can have credibility to himself before, you know? So, um... Yeah, Samoa Joe uh, comes to the ring. He talks about how he wants... This kind of came off as a CM Punk-esque type of promo. I don't want to go that far in the detail, but, you know, that far is saying it's that far. But, I mean, honestly, I felt as though CM Punk was gracing us with his voice. I don't know. He was, like, speaking about how he wants some... He wants Paul Heyman as his his, uh, manager or his advocate... He wants the uh, Universal Championship. He said everything that we already know. He wants to be on the show when he feels like being on the show. He wants to do all the shit Brock Lesnar basically does. Shows up when he wants to show up. And, you know, because it's bullshit. 
I mean, they stripped Naomi of her championship because, oh, she can't defend it within 30 days. But it's been 100 days now. 100 days since uh, Brock Lesnar's won that belt. That was WrestleMania. Since WrestleMania, Brock Lesnar won the championship for Goldberg. And uh, we still haven't had a defense. And now we're just getting the defense. So, yeah. So, Samoa Joe wants all these things. Of course, Paul Heyman comes out to a huge pop. Everybody loves Paul Heyman, which this this whole thing kind of confuses me a little bit. Not the whole Paul Heyman being love thing. It's the fact that, um, I don't know, is uh, Brock Lesnar supposed to be the heel? I mean, obviously, we know, um, everybody knows who the fuck Brock Lesnar is. So, they don't hate Brock Lesnar. They're on Brock Lesnar's side, if anything, because he's established. So, I mean, obviously, people know who Samoan Joe is. But for the people that don't know who Samoan Joe is... It's kind of confusing because it makes you think, uh, you know, once again, we in that, that 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 flux or, you know, we in that goddamn situation where it's like uh, is he's going to people are just going to they love to cheer, um, you know, Brock Lesnar. So you, you get what I'm saying? So, yeah, uh, a little bit confusing here. But anywho, um, what happens? Uh, Paul Heyman comes down. He just says his same thing, how he wants to. Uh, his job is as the advocate. He has to look out for Brock Lesnar's best interest at heart. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, and then a little change of scenery here. One thing that gets me all the time is when he says, I'm just the advocate. And then people just let him in the ring. Like how, um, what's his name? Finn Balor let the shit go down. But uh, this was different, though. Uh, Samoan Joe didn't allow uh, Paul Heyman to leave the ring without uh, leaving the statement. And this is the best part about it. Instead of just getting in the mic and saying, I'm going to kick your ass, he literally takes him off the side and says, hey, I'm going to choke you, squeeze you to death, yada, yada. He does this little stick where it's like, oh, I'm the badass and I'm going to do this and that. And uh, basically, he literally puts him in the, uh, not Kimura Lock, a damn Coquina Clutch. The Coquina Clutch, when I saw him fall, I just thought, ah, man, this would be way better if uh, Paul Heyman, this is the early 2000s, Paul Heyman, because looking at Paul Heyman's fat gut, uh, it just didn't look right, especially and then Paul. I mean, Samoa Joe couldn't get his legs all the way around him, and it just looked awkward. But it did what it had to. It did exactly what it was meant to do, designed to do. Make Samoa Joe look way different than any other opponent that Brock Lesnar's had. Uh, Samoa Joe is gonna. You already got Paul Heyman, the great speaker, who uh, laid the foundation down for Samoa Joe. Uh, he's going to beat Brock Lesnar. He's going to take an inch of him out or some shit that he said. Uh, that's pretty good, though. That's good. Because, like I, like he said, I mean, they're making it seem like this is a whole different type of opponent for Brock Lesnar. And this is good. I, like I've been saying for weeks, I take Samoan Joe as more of a viable. Like, I know I said Finn Balor was going to win, but I take Samoan Joe more as a viable opponent for Brock Lesnar not just because of the size of the frame it's just because it just seems like he's the badass and Finn Balor I mean all they would do is oh the demon the demon the demon and there's nothing unique about it I mean honestly I talked to um, my co-host last week Eli or Marcus and uh Enigma uh so yeah we talked about it and we what we talked about was uh how uh, they used to differentiate, uh, differentiate, I don't even know if I just said that right, differentiate, um, you know, they, there was so more, much different, there was so many different type of demons that Finn Balor would, um, you know, showcase in New Japan, and it's like, here, I mean, they, 
they just show you the same paint, the, the paint and all the, you know, the do that he does. And it's nothing unique about it. When he turns into the demon, I mean, he's the same Finn Balor. He's just painted up. And they try to make it seem like, oh, he's menacing. And that shit between him and Seth Rollins did not help. Because as much as Seth Rollins tried to sell, like, oh, my God, he's the demon and the demon. And every time they kept saying Demon King, I kept thinking Demon Kane. And it just didn't. That shit just didn't work. Hopefully, if the Great Balls of Fire and Finn Balor isn't in the main event, but hopefully this time going around, whoever he does face, whoever the hell he faces, hopefully they do something much better uh, to get him get this demon thing over. And hopefully he can show some heel tendencies as the demon instead of just being the regular white face, you know, white baby face, you know, just the little happy-go-lucky baby face good guy. I overcome all things. This is just a power boost bullshit. So, you know. Um, we move on to the Raw Tag Team Championship. Cesaro and Sheamus versus uh, Heath Slater and Rhino. Uh, Cesaro, uh, Cesaro and Sheamus won. This was just a regular match. At the end, they did. They cut a little promo. A regular promo of them saying the Hardys aren't there. Uh, we are the bar. Side thumb shit. This, this goes nowhere. I, I really don't care about it. I've already said I don't want to see the Hardys keep going against Cesaro and Sheamus. I don't want to see it. Obviously, if they could, if the broken shit was still, uh, they weren't going through any disputes. I mean, obviously, Hardys would not be together right now. Jeff would be doing his own main event run, and hopefully Matt would get the same treatment in the future coming up. So, yeah, hopefully uh, these guys get the little... Thing going whatever's going on with the impact and all the shit that's happening there hopefully uh gets resolved because um i would like a person i would love to see a broken matt hardy hopefully it's done way more better and as far i mean and it's like i said i think i said this a while ago uh if you keep shitting on the house of horrors match just think about it uh that's matt hardy's future if his broken persona thing works out i mean really if the broken persona thing correlates and moves over to WWE, I mean, shit like that is exactly what that total non-stop deletion shit was uh, in Impact. So, if you're shitting on the House of Horrors, you shouldn't be. If you're a broken, broken Matt Hardy fan, you gotta hopefully see some type of goodness into the House of Horrors. I mean, Bray Wyatt is Bray Wyatt, so obviously, I didn't really like it as much. But for someone like Matt Hardy, he can probably make it work. But, um, yeah, this little tag team match um, between Heath Slater and Rhino, I don't know. I don't even know what the hell they're doing with Heath Slater and Rhino. Uh, is someone backstage at Raw understanding that Heath Slater and Rhino were a a good duo on SmackDown? Because if not, they treated, they, they've they been treating them like shit. Every match they've been in, I feel like they're the new Goldust and R-Truth. And that's not to say um, R-Truth and Goldust aren't good competitors. I'm just saying. Uh, when R-Truth and Goldust were fighting in tag team matches, it just seemed like they always were off or quick squash matches or quick little matches for entertainment entertainment purposes. And as far as I've seen uh, in these tag team matches, I don't even think Rhino's been tagged in. And if he had, if he was in this match, I can't even remember. They're treating them like jobbers, and it's a shame because, like AJ Styles said in the interview, uh, this YouTube interview I saw, he says it's like, SmackDown just builds them up, and then they ship them off to Raw, and then, you know, the, the the stars just keep getting built on SmackDown, and then when you see that they're over, they ship them off to Raw, and then look what they're doing. 
It's like, who the fuck is in charge back there? I know Vince has got the final say, but for God's sakes, like, what's going on? Like, does he not see that some of these stars are over? And what the hell is going on? I can't keep complaining, but let's just move on. A lot of cruiserweight shit happened in the night. One of the backstage segments I can remember by a little bit uh, before this match. It was TJP versus Mustafa Ali. And in news, too, by the way, TJP is going by TJP, not Perkins anymore, because it wasn't a change by Vince or any of the people backstage. It was by him because he figured it'll just be way more easier for people to understand. And that's a good thing, because honestly, I remember a few weeks ago doing an episode. I kept saying, what the hell is his name? TJ what? TJ? I can't remember. And I kept thinking to myself, what the fuck is the TJ stand for? They never said so. Thank God it's TJP now, just like JTG. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. What was JTG? St- what? Just Too Good, I think it was. In his book, it says, JTG said his nickname, the acronym JTG means Just Too Good. No, that's stupid. JTG, yeah, Just Too Good. I'm thinking about JTP, JPG. What the fuck is it? TJP? God damn, I confused myself. Anyway. Um, TJ went backstage, he talked to Neville, he says, oh, since you retained the title, maybe I can get my title match. Of course, Neville says, uh, oh no, uh, you have to, you know, handle your business out there, then I go to Kurt Angle and I ask him, and all that bullshit. So, of course, um, TJP goes out there, Mustafa Ali, uh, they have a good match, uh, for all, for all four minutes or wherever it was, uh, the fans were not into this, I wasn't into this either being honest uh obviously cruiserweight match so um yeah after the match was over tjp wins uh he's confronted by neville at the stage uh obviously he goes up there like a dumbass and he says oh yeah we got a match right and then of course neville says i'm sorry i'm not a miracle worker but uh i kurt angle he doesn't want the match or some shit so uh he uh, he tells neville hey uh, we're going back there. We're going to talk to Kurt Angle now. We're going to get this match uh, underway. We're going to get this match signed or ready. Um, Neville turns on TJ. Of course, we already knew this shit was happening down the road. So it makes you think. Or I think this goes back to what I said. Uh, this is exactly what I said, man. Like, uh, minus the Austin Aries saying some after-school special. You don't believe in him, do you? Yeah, please, go back to being a good guy. I mean, obviously, I think TJP is still going to be a bad guy. I um he neville beat the shit out of tj and um then he announced that hey we're gonna have ourselves a what was it a cruiserweight match at 205 live and i thought to myself well i guess nobody will be seeing that match um they're gonna waste it on the 205 live the same 205 live that's ranked number 19 on the network and what was it halloween half it got more views than 205 live Halloween Havoc 1998, by the way. I believe that's the one that Hulk Hogan burned his own eyebrows with going against the Ultimate Warrior. The shitty one. The one that uh, I think ended with Goldberg versus DDP and they didn't even show the whole thing. It had to get cut short. Which I, which I believe it also, I think on the day, I, I should go watch it. On the day Network, I think they kept it in there like that too. Just to throw shade, I think. I believe it's still just like that too. But um, yeah. They had their match. I have no idea who won that. Um, obviously, Neville probably, duh, he's going to win. 
I don't see TJ winning that shit. I didn't watch 205 Live because I don't feel like wasting my time any further with any other content. So, we move on to Kalisto versus Titus O'Neil. Kalisto defeated Titus O'Neil. Regular match, same old, same old. Please, for the love of God, someone needs to, like, bitch slap, uh, what's his name? Apollo? They need to bitch slap him, or someone needs to just kick him in the nuts. Someone needs to get him mad, because obviously, he just doesn't get it. As much as Titus O'Neil, as as charismatic Titus O'Neil can be, funny, and as much of a personality he has, and he knows how to act and be a star and you know you know act and shit you know as much as he can like correlate you know show some type of personality or backbone apollo just seems so fucking cookie cutter rocky my via die rocky die attitude like happy to be there even when he's like on the heelish side of things it just still seems like he's playing it off as a good guy like oh i'm still a good guy at the end, like the match went on as uh, I believe Titus O'Neil tried to get the tights from Kalisto. This was a good ending, by the way. Props for Kalisto. I don't give him props as much because all the flubs and fuck ups he's done, and as fucked up as he's been, like the dumpster matches, the I'm not finished with you yet, Braun, and all this other bullshit he's ever done, lucha stuff, and you know all that dumb shit. So um, yeah, Titus O'Neil went for the tights. And Kalisto, he went for the tights so hard on Kalisto. Kalisto literally, like, flipped his whole body from underneath Titus. Then he went for the tights. Got the tights, won, rolled out the ring just in time before he got his ass whipped. Then Apollo looks at... Apollo looks up at Titus with this dumbass look. Like, yeah, 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 see? Huh, he got the tights on that one. Huh, he got the tights on that Oh, yeah, he got you. He got you. And I'm thinking, like, dude, stop it. Like, why are you looking like that? Why are you smiling? You should be, shouldn't you be a heel? Or, I mean, didn't he establish the fact that he was a heel when he, like, kicked Enzo on the side of the head? Or was it not made clear that, hey, uh, is, is it in his is it in his mind that, oh, I just didn't want a picture to be taken, so I'm still a good guy, technically. So if someone please just slap some sense into him and show and tell him, stop acting like you're this great this great lovable guy because it doesn't get you over by the with the fans and another thing i just realized and i don't even think i said this in the last episode with my um my co-host but has anyone noticed that about a few months ago that those two guys were friends going against Dolph ziggler and now it's like now it's old now we're up against each other i'm the heel and you're the baby face or i'm probably still a baby face because i act like a fucking baby face even though i'm a heel so yeah moving on we went down to this uh celebration there was like some big celebration for oh stemming from earlier i believe kurt angle took um Corey graves aside and i saw a lot of tweets that night the funniest tweet i saw throughout the night was uh someone says when you're trying to teach your parents how to uh text or tweet uh they took a picture of the whole shot it was literally kurt angle telling Corey to come over here and they were standing right there next to Booker T and Michael Cole, like, from a few inches away. Then, Corey comes back, and then they say, hey, what was that about? Personal. Personal. And then they move on, as if nothing happened. This is still interesting. Don't get me wrong. This is still intriguing. I'm still looking forward to see what the fuck's going on here, but, um, yeah. Backstage, I think Kurt Angle, like, was confronted by Charlie or someone. He says a private matter, too. And he left out the building. Dean Ambrose kept the door open. He snuck his way back in. 
This is where we went to the Miz's Intercontinental Comeback Tour kickoff celebration event thing. I believe Maurice comes in. He, she's in the ring with some person that's dancing like a bear. And, uh, yeah, I thought right away when the bear kept dancing and doing the thumbs up and all the other shit, I kept thinking to myself, as soon as they said that, hey, I didn't get the bear, I didn't get the bear either. I thought, oh, shit, it's the Miz. And this this whole segment was done perfectly. This is why I want the Miz as Intercontinental Champion. I'm not saying Dean Ambrose can't carry it on his own. It's just, I don't know, the Miz just carries it. He's a good heel. He's a good, he's a guy you love to hate, and he's just he just works well as the heel. They don't need to turn him face like they tried to do when Ric Flair was gonna put a, teach him underneath his tutelage, which they probably should have gave Dolph Ziggler since you see where he's at now. But you, you see, um, this was a good segment, perfect segment. The bear wasn't Dean Ambrose. It was a false alarm at the Skull Crush finale. Them apparently it was some mascot, some town mascot. I guess I'm not entirely sure what the fuck that was about. So. We move on to this gift. Uh, I think Maurice gave The Miz a gift. It was like some big present that came down. And The Miz immediately went for a chair. This was funny as hell. He would keep, he ran up to the damn thing. And he, just, he kept hitting it with the chair over and over again. Uh, he kept... He just he was going crazy down there. He just kept... He was like, oh, okay. Like he was just talking to himself and talking out loud pretending like he knew it was the mid uh not the Miz, dean ambrose and um yeah he hit it with a chair he elbowed it he kept fucking up the uh, new day's time machine and <laughs> then the uh the uh maurice was pissed because it was a grandfather clock because he's timeless or some shit i don't know um yeah she disappeared she left him he's like babe babe no i'm sorry babe and then goes back in the ring he keeps saying oh i he kept yelling out oh i'm ready for you ambrose come out here come out here come out here yada 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 all of a sudden cameraman gets in the ring i'm thinking to myself uh wow like where's dean ambrose like you know he's gonna come out here eventually he's probably gonna come up from underneath the ring or something like that and and seriously i did not even notice this i did not notice this until like the last second and you still couldn't even see it because his hair is short and he looks like a regular cameraman dean ambrose reveals himself to be the cameraman that was behind the miss but the cool thing about it is this this is the cool thing this reminded me of stone cold and the rock when the rock had the uh, beeper and stone cold beeped the rock and um, the Rock's face, look on his face, and he turns around. And Stone Cold beats the shit out of the Rock for the. Inter- this was doing when they were fighting for the Intercontinental Championship. So this reminded me of this shit. But the cool thing about it was, and finally, I don't think any other star has ever done this, or they've done this before. But I mean, everyone else acts so stupid to this all the fucking time. The Miz looks up at the Titan Tron. He sees that oh shit, the Miz, uh, Dean Ambrose is behind me. He just undressed as a cameraman. He slowly looks just like how The Rock looked, but not look just like him. I think he was trying to mimic that same look, but he didn't do it right. He turns around. The Miz get, um, gets his ass whipped, or I think uh, just dirty deeds, by um, Dean Ambrose. And that just ends the segment. Ha, 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 ha. He crashed the party. He gets his comeuppets. He'll get his Intercontinental Championship soon, sooner, probably at the next pay-per-view. So we move on to the next segment, which was... Um, I believe Enzo earlier in the night talked about um, talked to Charlie. This this is something else that that fucking amazed me. 
He was talking to Charlie, asked him how he was doing. Enzo just kept flirting with Charlie, thinking to myself, huh, well, he's being buddy-buddy with Charlie. But then I started noticing Charlie was giving Enzo this look like, oh, I'm interested in you. And he kept on playing on to Charlie. And uh, Big Cass said, hey, I'm not going to leave Enzo's side tonight. And I'm, I'm going to stay with him 24-7, uh, nonstop. Then Big Cass leaves, and Enzo's still flirting with uh, Charlie. Charlie even, they even go away from Big Cass, I mean Enzo and Big Cass, and then they go to Charlie, and Charlie's look on her face, she's winking and looking all, I don't know, it just, it looks like she's interested in Enzo, and I'm thinking to myself, will this play over to next week, or will she be like the Lillian Garcia or the Rock and his pie and all that other shit where he used to fuck with her and all that. So, um, yeah. We move on to a few segments later. All of a sudden, Big Cass is knocked on the fucking ground. I'm thinking to myself, uh, he's probably bullshitting. This is probably going to be the night where he shows that, oh, I, I turned my back on Enzo because he's always talking shit. We're never getting shit done. And all this other bullshit he's probably mad about. But no, uh, all that's there is some gold chain. And this this is something, this is, this is what I had a problem with. The acting on this. I didn't understand how to feel about this. I didn't know if it was supposed to be implied that, oh, Enzo was the one that attacked Big Cass because there's a gold chain right there. Or, uh, oh, there's evidence because that gold chain was left behind by someone. And I made a joke and said, oh, shit, it's, uh, it's, it's the gold standard. It's, it's Shelton. Shelton Benjamin's coming back. He's, he's using chains to beat the shit out of everyone. With the, but no, no. Yeah. So um, I didn't know how to feel about this. I just knew, um, I, I kept feeling like, why the fuck? I kept thinking, wow, Enzo is like really fucking vulnerable or so lame. He's, he's, he's yelling over to Big Cass like, oh, I can't do this without you, without you buddy. Uh, you're like my Wookiee or, you know, some Star Wars references and yada, yada, yada. Uh, the referees just kept saying, oh, he can't do this. He can't do this. He can't go out there tonight. He won't be 100%. So, yeah, obviously we move on to, I think it was... Enzo Amore was supposed to they were supposed to go against Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson and for God's sakes why do they keep pairing these guys up with all these the same people the, the fucking Nazis the Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson have gone against Enzo and Cass so many fucking times I mean I remember when they had uh, Chris Jericho Kevin Owens going against Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins over and over and over but for God's sakes can someone give a counter on how many times Enzo and uh Enzo and Big Cass have fought these guys over and over again. So Enzo Amore goes out there. He says he can do this shit by himself. Goes out there. He does his regular shtick. Um, this made me feel like Billy Gunn and Road Dog. How um, remember how they had their singles run? I think uh, Billy Gunn was the Hardcore Champion. Road Dog was the Intercontinental Champion. This really made me feel like that. Because um, I think Billy Gunn used to come out there and then he'll be like, I got two words for you, even though nothing was said. Just like how Road Dog will go out there and say his part. And Road Dog can carry it because he can do his own thing. But uh, Billy Gunn didn't have his own part. So, you know, he just go out there and say, suck it. But moving on, though. Uh, Enzo goes out there. He says that he has some help. I'm thinking to myself, uh, you got some help. Who is it? So, of course, Big Show comes out there, and I'm thinking to myself, it didn't dawn on me until Big Show stood there with Enzo, and he was very quiet uh, with Enzo. And I, it re- did not dawn on me until I thought, oh, shit, you got to be kidding me. He's going to fight. It's going to be him. It's going to be revealed as, oh, Enzo 
uh, has been getting fucked up by the Big Show. But of course, uh, the Big Show does his. Um, he looks menacing. He pretends like he's going to attack Enzo. And then he does his Italian impression or he does his entertainment. The fans eat it up and we have a regular match. Enzo and Big Show defeated the Nazis, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. And uh, Big Show, I kept thinking like, oh man, Big Show is really going to turn on him. It's always been known Big Show is going to turn again. But no, he didn't. This went off really well and happy-go-lucky moment. And I kept thinking to myself, if this goes well, I mean, it makes me think, uh, is someone backstage testing the waters for uh, Big Cass to leave Enzo and then Big Show be full-time for Enzo as like a bodyguard or something? Is that what's going to happen here? But no. Uh, so, yeah. We got uh, we went backstage again. Uh, Big Cass confronted Big Show and says, Big Man, you probably jumped me. And then Big Show says, hey, man. You see the size of me? Uh, if I was going to attack you, I'll come at you straight up. Uh, bullshit. Because, I mean, obviously, well, I mean, he does come straight up to everybody. Not straight up, straight up, but, I mean, he turns on motherfuckers right then and there. He doesn't just, there's never been an angle where it's like, oh, who attacked who? And then Big Show's been the one, and it's like, oh, I did it because of this and that. And, you know, Big Show just did that shit straight up in front of all the crowd or whatever. So, yeah. Um, they just confronting each other about it then enzo says hey why don't we all celebrate and big cash just kept looking befuddled like he doesn't want to be there and i kept thinking to myself i don't want to see big cash turn but i keep seeing these little these feelings and these looks and this mannerisms and it makes me it makes me think oh shit he really is going to turn on him but yeah they just went out to celebrate big show declined and enzo and cash went out to go celebrate this move this this moves on to the uh, nia jacks fighting alexa bliss for the women's championship and um earlier segment by the way and this also moves on to some news that i remembered that i wrote down i believe it was some news i wrote down saying that for the next season of total divas since emma eva marie cannot reprise her role naya jackson alexa bliss will now be cast members for the new season i don't i don't think i don't think renee young will be on there either i don't think so i'm not entirely sure if she, I don't know. I don't know if she will be. Uh, sucks, though. But, um, yeah. This, uh, earlier on, there was a segment. And for the love of God, this is what made me almost want to leave. There was a segment where Alexa Bliss literally had the gall to say, why don't we just do a, Alexa, this is your life, since she beat the shit out of Bailey with the kendo stick and won the match. Uh, but Bailey was not there that night, so, yeah. No shitting on Bailey, even though they've already buried the shit out of Bailey or buried the... I don't even know what the fuck the plan is for ba- Bailey now. I mean, as far as they going with her, I mean, is, is shit. And then from what I've heard also, there's also news of putting Divas on 205 Live to probably get the ratings up or the popularity of that. I doubt that would work out, especially seeing how things have gone with... Well, actually, I mean, like I said, when they, in their review of the Extreme Rules last week, I felt as though that went off pretty well. So I went, I felt like that went off pretty well. So, yeah, uh, especially the little dance at the end, the crowd popped for the Divas mixed tag match. So uh, with with time, time can only tell. And if there's some way, some bra and panties matches. But no, I doubt it. Let me stop. That was that was fucked up. But yeah, um, Kurt Angle even responded they they fully acknowledged that that was a garbage ass prompt segment that found the week before that bailey this is your life bullshit they said that was the worst segment ever why would we want to do that again with your life so no 
And then he reminded us the same thing that I've been saying. The prediction came fucking true. What happened? They put Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax in the same match. And then what else happened? Later on in the night, uh, Alexa Bliss tried to kiss everyone's ass. Sasha Banks left. Smart. Good job, Sasha. But Mickey James and Dana, they tried to leave, but they fell victim to the storyline fuckery. So, um, yeah. So was that? Alexa Bliss tried to suck up to both of them, telling them that we have a problem. They said, um, no, you have a problem, but you know what? We're going to be out there to watch this match. So my whole thing was, I'm thinking right away, uh, of course, they're gonna, of course, they're gonna go out there and they're gonna be some way. It's not a lumberjill match, but of course, they're gonna go out there and somehow fuck this up to be no DQ or some bullshit like that. If you want to watch this match, just watch it on TV like all the other women do when they stand up there imposingly, menacingly at the fucking TV screen. Just do that. Don't go out there. Obviously, they're gonna go out there and fuck this up for Nia Jax. Nia Jax comes out there. The match goes underway. Uh, she literally destroys Alexa Bliss for the most part. Alexa goes out to the ring, outside the ring, though. Mickey James and Dana are laughing at uh, Alexa, or they're just standing there. Alexa gets gets mad and pushes them, and of course they have to push her back. DQ, no, I mean it's disqualified. Nia Jax is disqualified. Nia Jax wins. Wait a minute. As a matter of fact, if the now that I think about it, let me think. They attacked. Wait a minute. I don't even understand that. I'm looking right now at the results, and I do remember. Um, did Nia Jax, was Nia Jax proclaimed a victor? Because how could that be the case? Unless, am I tripping? Because I think, um, cause I think Mickey James and Dana start beating up on Sasha. I mean, not Sasha. On, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, that's right. I'm tripping. Mickey James and Dana start beating up on Alexa. So how the fuck could that even count as DQ? For shouldn't it be like oh, uh, Alexa wins by DQ because they attacked Alexa, because the 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 opposing person is the one. You understand what I'm saying? Because right here it says I'm looking at also on this little quick recap. It says Nia Jax defeats Alexa Bliss via DQ. So technically it'll be Alexa should have won that because they attacked Alexa. Whoever attacks, they think oh the other person sent them out there, you know type shit. But I don't get that. Anyway, um, the match was what it was. She threw uh, Alexa back in the ring after she destroyed Mickey and Dana. Um, Alexa escaped. And for the love of God, I didn't understand this. They all, all three of the women stood in the ring together looking mad. And I kept thinking to myself, Nia Jax, you just attacked Mickey James and Dana Brooke. Why the fuck are you letting them stand in your ring now? So she turns around. She destroys them. And it was like so fucking just... It, it was such a delay. It just it just did not work out. I don't I don't like this. And it's like exactly what I said. The dumb giant woman. This is big show, great collie bullshit booking, where the big person goes out the ring and they're too big or too slow to get in the ring for the count out or some bullshit ass. Uh, oh, out of nowhere, it's gonna be a title match, and you know it's gonna be a disqualification victor for someone or some bullshit ensues. So this is exactly what I predicted. And if my co-hosts are listening right now, uh, we all knew what the fuck was going to happen. You see, this is predictable shit. So we move on to the final thing of the night, which was uh, Samoan Joe defeating Seth Rollins. Uh, I believe Samoan Joe was confronted by Kurt Angle earlier on in the night. He was like saying, hey, Kurt, if you're in my way, if you're in my way, 
for this title, I might have to destroy you just like I did Paul Heyman. And I got goosebumps because I thought to myself, oh man, this is just, this This is reminiscent to, if, if you're a TNA fan, you know, Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe have had wars. They've also been in the main event mafia and all this other shit. So, it makes me feel like, oh man, this could be a future match possibly. Uh, but then again, we're in the now, so yeah. Uh, fucking Seth Rollins comes out of nowhere. He says, uh, I got a problem with Joe and you just sit and then Kurt Angle, Kurt Angle just sounds so lame nowadays. Oh, you just said that if someone's in your way, if you got a problem with someone, you, you're going to choke him out. So so you're going to fight him. Yeah. So we're going to have a match tonight between you two. So obviously, Samoa Joe, Seth Rollins will reignite their feud again and they will fight. And this, this is this is made this made me fucking bored. I did not like the main event. Was not a fan of this. It was what it was. I can't complain too much. I, I'm glad that this Samoan Joe was the star of the night. Perfect way to start this whole thing off to move on to this fucking dreadful ass Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view. Which, by the way, in the news, everyone keeps saying the poster looks like a dick and balls for the goddamn... The two balls on the side, the Great Balls of Fire, and the little line streak looks like a dick and the balls. You get what I'm saying? So that was Raw in the nutshell. Raw was what it was. It was actually good this week. Don't know how the ratings went. I believe they were up this higher this week, so good for them. SmackDown was June 6, 2017 in Rochester, New York. I believe it's not. Yeah, Rochester, New York. Oh, here it is. Rochester, New York. Okay. So, uh, before I go into this, this is why I fucks with SmackDown. I told my friend, I told my co-host this. This is why I fucks with SmackDown. SmackDown it's a, the difference between Raw and SmackDown is this. For Raw, tomorrow when I watch Raw, I got to wake up in the morning and do everything I need to go do in the morning through the afternoon. Then I have to sit here and get ready to watch three hours of fucking programming. And then what do I do afterwards? I have to stay my ass in the, I have to stay my ass in the house. Why? Because dude, it's fucking 10 o'clock. I do not feel like going out now. I am drained from watching Raw. Which is why SmackDown, on the other hand, I can sit here. I can wake up anytime I want. I can just cheerfully know that, oh, two hours will go by with a, with a breeze. And then 9 o'clock are hit. And you know what? It's 9 o'clock. You know, I feel energetic. I feel happy. You know what? I'm going to go out and get some need. I'm going to do this and that. I, I'm not drained. I'm happy. I can go out and get something to eat now. I don't have to take piss breaks or lunch breaks or I have to go out and get some food while watching Raw and all the other shit, you know? It's a difference. As soon as the end of the whole night came with, with the Baron Corbin standing tall, I felt to myself, holy shit, that's it? As soon as that copyright thing came up, I thought to myself, oh man, okay, this is good. I didn't even know it was going off. I just kept thinking to myself, oh, give me more, give me more, I kept saying. Like, I really want to see some more. This made me want to see some more. And the, the whole night, Baron Corbin was the shining star of SmackDown. So, SmackDown opened, of course, with the Divas. Right right then and there, I kept thinking to myself, they're going to reveal this briefcase. It's going to be pink, it's going to be leopard printed, or it's going to be a fucking purse or something. That's why I kept saying. I even tweeted the shit. I tweeted that. So, um... Of course, the briefcase is white. It's smaller. And I kept thinking to myself, hopefully, it'll be raised down lower for the women. 
Not too low where it's like disrespectful, but lower so no one can fucking die in this goddamn match. Um, we moved on to, of course, the Lena Lena debut, and the news there is. Uh, I'm quite confused. They keep saying that Rusev and Lana have split their characters. Obviously, they're they're just split as a means to oh she'll do her thing, he'll do his thing. Not in real life, people. So yeah, stop getting that in your heads. Lena is still with Lana. Lena. Lana is still with Rusev, apparently, under, you, you know, you, you get what I'm saying, damn, um, yeah, so she debuts, she has some good music, the same fucking music you hear every week, what I thought was stupid about this was, she comes out with a fucking dress, she comes out with one of those old school dresses, it, it was just dumb, she comes out with the dress, and a lot of people have speculated that, oh, M- this is Emelina's gimmick that she couldn't pull off. No, no, no. From this is the other news that I heard. This is this di- this diverges or derives from um, the uh, gimmick that Eva was supposed to do, which is something that she was actually supposed to get um, a straight shot to the women's championship. Whoever was the champion back then, I can't remember who. Who was the champion? I think it was Becky Lynch back then. Yeah. No, 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 it wasn't Becky. Who was the champion? I think it was Nikki. Was it Nikki? Or am I tripping? I cannot remember who the champion was back then. If I could try to remember, who was the champion? I know Naomi was fighting. Nikki was not the champion then. She was not. Who came over to the... uh, I want to say Becky. It had to be Becky. Becky was just, like, fighting back then. She wasn't the champion. She was not the champion because she was one of the opponents for uh, her back then. Not entirely sure who the fuck the champion was back then, but they were champion. So, uh, moving on, though. Um, yeah, so this is her fucking, this was her gimmick, Eva. But Eva, obviously, is, she's leaving WWE to pursue her goals and to uh, film. And as shitty acting as she was as a WWE superstar, I mean, she's probably a shitty actor with in films. If anything, she's only good to look at. So, good luck on her future endeavors. But Lana comes out, she does her debut, and she asked to, since Naomi can't fight in this match because it's for number one contendership for her championship, I will be in the Money in the Bank match. All the women laugh. They say, oh, you haven't even had a match. You've just been in one tag team match, and that tag team match at WrestleMania. Can't remember what match. I can't remember who was in the match, but I do remember she was in there. She did good for what she did, and hopefully she's been training and doing her own thing because I hope they haven't just put her out there to be like, oh, hopefully they don't do everything that they were doing for Eva Marie because Eva Marie couldn't wrestle. So since she couldn't fucking wrestle, hopefully they don't make it, oh, Lana can't wrestle. Hopefully she has at least been busting her ass and training hard out there or whatever the fuck she's been doing, and hopefully she does have some ring skills or some prowess or something. So, you know. Um, she demands that she gets a championship match then because she says she can beat Naomi. Naomi laughs, and then Shane McMahon says, this is the land of opportunity, but you have to prove yourself, and you're not going to be in this Money in the Bank ladder match. The fans fucking boo. They booed, and they popped. We want Lana. We want Lana. Everybody wants to see fucking Lana. Lana is over. Lana reminds me of Sable a little bit, not in the negative light, but... As a means to, man, I haven't seen anybody since Lita and Trish and Sasha, a little bit of Bailey. I mean, not, yeah, a little bit, well, shit, little now of Bailey. Uh, probably Becky and Charlotte. Only motherfuckers have been over, really. 
But um, yeah, Lana has really gotten herself over, and people like her sexuality and beauty. And I mean, shit, maybe she can showcase her skills in the ring, which is something that moved on a little bit to later on because after this whole little promo, this whole little revealing of the briefcase, we had ourselves a tag team match. Carmella, Natalia, and Tamina defeated Naomi, Charlotte, Flair, and then uh, Becky Lynch. And uh, the reason why they defeated them is because Naomi, uh, Lana came back out after being laughed at and scoffed by the whole roster. She comes out there. She goes out there and she, like, trips up Naomi. And after she trips up Naomi, um, they fucking, that's how she basically, how they lost. Um, They lose. And, um, yeah, I don't remember how the fuck it ended. I think, I want to say, didn't they embrace uh, Lana? I think the welcoming committee embraced Lana after this whole ordeal i don't remember my whole problem with this though i have a problem with this by the way people a lot of people might say oh man great job lana you debuted quicker than eva uh emelina and even marie you're finally you're fast you're back faster than her and it's like i have no problem with this i like lana i'm uh, i'm cool with this my whole issue is this though later on in the night uh, Naomi confronts Jamie Man and says, I want a title match. I want to put my title on the line against Lana and Money in the Bank. That's what I want to do. Now, listen, if Lana wins that championship, no offense to Lana, and I know everybody loves her, but it's just, dude, that's bullshit. Especially for, especially for there to be a fucking ladder. Why would Naomi go into the goddamn room and ask Jamie Man for a championship match while you're already putting yourself in danger? You got to fight Lana on that night while women are fighting for on the ladder match for your fucking for number one contend uh, number one contendership to fight you. Why would you put yourself in danger like that? You know, that's stupid. So yeah, she puts herself in this match. But my whole thing is this: Why the fuck were the welcoming committee embracing Lana for helping them get that victory earlier? They're the welcoming committee. Their whole fucking team. Is based off the fact that people like Charlotte just comes into SmackDown and gets a women's championship match. If anything, you should be even more super fucking pissed at Lana. Lana comes on the SmackDown for the first time ever. Hasn't had but one match. And already, just for tripping somebody, gets a fucking Divas match. All the women went into the locker room a week ago. Asking for a fucking championship match. Two weeks ago, asking for a championship match. They're told that they get a five-pack challenge match. The winner of that match gets a number one contender match. They all don't get that number one. They all get a ladder match instead now. Instead, They have to bust their ass to get this, this title. The woman that just comes in, has one match, fucking how long ago? Wasn't even this year. It was hell as ago. And just trips the champion, gets the women's championship match. They should be pissed. They're the welcoming committee. That's the whole reason for the fucking stable. And, and it contradicts itself because Tamina is part of the welcoming committee. How the fuck is Tamina part of the welcoming committee? Mad because these new superstars are coming in to take over. Shouldn't Natalia and Carmella have taken her out because she's a new superstar trying to take over? She's fighting for the goddamn number one contendership at the goddamn Money in the Bank match too. So what the hell? Um. Anyway, though, hopefully this doesn't this. Hopefully this just doesn't backfire on Naomi because I've seen. Look at Ginger Mahal, people. Ginger Mahal is the fucking champion, and in the news too about that, he's getting paid even more money now for being champion. 
Good for you, though, Ginger. Good for you. If Ginger Mahal could be champion, the same shit can happen with the women. Lana could be women's champion. And I could probably see Lana being women's champion. And all of a sudden, oh, uh, who knows, Carmella. Oh, my God, I can see that happening. Oh, my God, don't quote me on this. Or shit, quote me on this. Remember this episode, people. I can see Lana winning from a fluke victory. Some bullshit fluke victory where Naomi accidentally fucks up and does a springboard thing and fucks herself up. Lana does some bullshit finisher and wins. She's celebrating too much and then all of a sudden here comes Carmella. Carmella sneaks in and Ellsworth sneaks in and Ellsworth helps Carmella win and then they get Carmella over and she becomes the new women's champ. Then they run with the ball. They run the ball with that shit. They don't give Carmella, I mean, they, Lana a rematch because, I don't know, logic. Oh, she hasn't been champion long enough to have earned herself a rematch clause in her contract for anything like that. So, bullshit ensues. You know what I'm saying? And then what happens? Uh, we go into the whole Naomi versus Carmella bullshit. I can actually, I really want to see Carmella win. That's who I want to see Carmella win. Carmella. Nothing against all the other women. I just want to see Carmella win. I mean, because if this big cast thing comes to fruition, hopefully he goes to SmackDown, beats the shit out of James Ellsworth, and then we have a power couple. And Ginger's the fucking champion there. Hopefully big cast can be the champ, come over and be big, the fucking champion over there. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I've really dived real, real deep into this whole ordeal. There's a lot more of the show. AJ Styles uh, defeats Dolph Ziggler in a rematch. Uh, my whole, I the whole... I don't really have nothing to say about this. My whole thing is um, the rightful person should have won. The person that should have won last week before should have won here. Uh, should have won. So this is a um, 50-50 booking. He got his victory. Good job, AJ Styles. Uh, he hit the Styles Clash, though. That's the first time we've seen the Styles Clash, I don't know, in a, a good while. I want to say since he fought John Cena, maybe. Has it been that long? Or, nope, nope, Shaman Man, I believe. Has it been that long? I'm not entirely sure. But, uh, yeah. He fought Dolph Ziggler. He won a regular match. We move on to Jinder Mahal fighting Mojo Rowley. This whole thing ensued because Mojo Rowley went backstage and said the same thing that we all been saying. Uh, you're a bit of a shadow, man. You're an afterthought. He even said that he thought that this, this trophy, they put the trophy backstage. This was just random, too. You would think that Mojo Riley has this trophy in this house somewhere. The trophy is backstage. Shaman Man looks at the trophy. And then Shaman Man uh, is confronted by Mojo. Mojo says, I feel like this should have opened doors for my career. But, I mean, if anything, it's had me. It's held me down. And this this, this stems. This, this makes me, like, really mad. Because a lot of people say, oh, man. If you win the, the, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, that's a good thing. No, it's not. For this and for being king of the ring it's not king of the rings become fucking jokes they become kings and then battle royal become trophy holders carrying the trophy to the ring and doing dumbass poses or just calling themselves the memorial battle royal winner there's nothing that really happens i mean look at cesaro look at baron look at big show i mean really they haven't done shit Unless there's like some type of, oh, we get a number one contender spot for the championship, then I will be on board. But, I mean, really, it's, it's not really good at all. And then and, and Mojo Riley even brought a good point. He says, hey, I bought, I've beaten Ginger Mahal. 
Why haven't I gotten a championship? He really has. He's been beaten. He beat Jinder Mahal like two or three times in a row on SmackDown when he first came to SmackDown. If he can beat fucking Jinder Mahal then, he could be the damn champion. So Shane put Jinder Mahal, I mean, Shane put Jinder in the championship. I mean, a champion. Shane put Mojo in a match against Jinder. Of course, Jinder Mahal beats Mojo now because I guess fucking Jinder Mahal has the Mojo. So he beats Mojo Riley. Then he goes into this tirade about how he's doing it for his people. The Maharaja and all this other bullshit. So yeah, Jinder beats uh, fucking Mojo Riley. And that's pretty much in the nutshell for that. The New Day, they fought the Colognes. The fucking Colognes. They've been buried like a motherfucker. I can't even remember this match. I know this was scrimmage. That's all I gotta say. This was scrimmage. That's all I gotta say about it. This was fucking scrimmage. Before they went out there, um, they went out there with that femme noir shit. They actually confronted the uh, Fent Brizango. They asked them, uh, can we get some intel on um, the Usos? They paid them in rompers. Uh, of course, Tyler Breeze puts on his rompers and then they give them the information, I guess, about how they can beat the third, the tag team and all that bullshit. So, yeah. Um, this was like, I don't know, I really thought this was corny. Didn't really, wasn't feeling it for real. All I can say is if Usos lose the titles, hopefully this does lead to some type of triple threat tag team for the titles. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, which leaves on to the, uh, moves on to the last thing, at the, the whole thing at the end in general. Uh, Baron Corbin, um, Baron Corbin beat up Sami Zayn backstage. So, cause, uh, for some reason, Sami Zayn said he'll be out there on commentary to talk or be close to Kevin Owens. And I kept thinking, why the fuck, why they keep on, you know, having Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn be on the same show, even though they just told them that this will never happen again. So Baron Corbin beat up Sami Zayn. Now Baron Corbin would be out there. He beat up on him. So I thought, oh, Sami would be out there later. He wasn't, to my surprise. Baron Corbin comes out, and um, he watches the match between Nakamura and Owens. This is a regular match. Um, they have really, really branded Nakamura. I really feel like Nakamura is just a regular superstar now. Really didn't see much in him at the begin with. A lot of my co-hosts might disagree with me. Um, Eli, my Marcus, he might disagree because he watches New Japan. So, you know, more power to him. Um, this whole thing, though, with this branding him, the rock star, the artist, especially with that bullshit-ass promo, that segment they had, the video package, it just really makes, this turns me off on them because, I mean, really, it just shows how much they want to, Oh, he's he's a WWE guy. He's a WWE guy. Especially how they just try to sneak it in there that oh AJ Styles started this. He's the rock star bullshit. So yeah, um, he obviously defeated Kevin Owens, but uh, Baron Corbin was on the fucking rampage that night. He attacked Shinsuke Nakamura, and Baron Corbin stand t- stood tall for the whole night. He ended the show by standing tall, and this. Goes right back to what I said. This is why I like SmackDown. Because it went off so fucking quick. I kept thinking to myself, oh, I want to see more. But that was the end. Leading us up to what might happen next week. Which is good. Because each superstar is getting over. They're all getting over it. So they can all look like they can win the Money in the Bank match. Which I believe Baron Corbin can win. Uh, Someone said they would like to see Dolph Ziggler win. You must be high. Because, I mean, Dolph Ziggler. I mean, I don't know. Dolph Ziggler just keeps doing that. Oh. 
I'm the only one here that's won the, the damn uh, Money in the Bank. I mean, you can keep telling yourself that, but I mean, look at who your competitors are. So, yeah. That was SmackDown in a nutshell, though. Only other news that I believe I have is, uh, oh, yeah. The um, bullshit-ass uh, gimmick they're giving. They're giving Luke Harper a gimmick now. Since the Wyatt family has split up, Luke Harper's gimmick now, as you can see on Twitter, he's been tweeting lately. Uh, he's a family man all of a sudden. Every week he tweets his his family activities or some shit. Wednesday is this and Saturday is this and all that. So he's doing some family man gimmick. Uh, Eric Roman, I don't know what the hell he's going to do. Maybe he should just go back to NXT because honestly, like I said before, he has not... He, I don't really see any type of potential or anything good for him in his future. So hopefully he gets, you know, hopefully he can do something. You know, he gets himself over eventually, but I don't see that shit happening. He's just doing that crazy mass shit. So, yeah, more power to him now. Uh, yeah, Luke Harper's doing this family man bullshit. And, yeah, that's that's in the nutshell for him. He's His first few will be with Aiden, Aiden English. So if you don't believe me, just go look at it. He literally posts like it's a damn his tweets are like a schedule of his family activities. If you were in my neighborhood, you cannot do that. You cannot tell people when you're leaving the house or doing all that dumb that that's just fucking stupid. And that is a stupid gimmick. Especially if you just look at him. He looks like some shit from Duck Dynasty. So yeah. But that's it in a nutshell. Uh I think that's it. Actually that is it. This was the show. Hopefully next week I don't have all my notes deleted. I might actually bring my co-host, the co-host on there. That might have helped. But uh, this was the show. You can add me on social media on Twitter at LilDreadHead93. That's L-I-L-D-R-E-A-D-H-E-A-D-9-3. Those are numbers. You can add me on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Cartman Ha, C-A-R-T-M-A-N-H-A. Or Langston Carmichael Yoin. Just search that up. Uh, you can follow my SoundCloud for new episodes every Wednesday and Sundays. Um, you can email me at cartmanhoppin at gmail.com for questions, suggestions, or even leave comments of what subjects you want to hear me talk about on my Wednesday episodes, where I talk about anything, my hump day episodes every Wednesdays. Um, yeah. Also, I gotta give a shout out to the homeboy Dominique again. Dominique is the young man that provides me with the beats. The theme, the intro, the instrumental. You can hit him up or inquire him if you need something. Instrumentals or beats for your albums, your mixtapes. You can hit him up on his Twitter handle at FatKidBeats. Or on his Gmail, inquire him at FatKid at gmail.com. You also hit up Tavon for his own cut for your own custom tees. You got the little Dreadhead Live t-shirt. Or you got your any other custom tees. Like I said earlier, the matching couples wifey and hubby t-shirt or i've actually seen him do like magazine cover t-shirts which is actually pretty cool uh you can acquire him at facebook.com slash latg clothing or go to spreezy.com slash latg clothing look at this guy clothing say it with your shirt that is the slogan um also got to give a shout out to my own production company my own production company little dreadhead production Give us some business, people. We work, like I've said earlier in the plug that I did in the first three minutes. We do anything ranging in media, uh, from videography, photography, and graphic designing, creating websites, uh, doing logos, making um, music videos, skits, shooting weddings, events, doing anything uh, from 
either photo shoots or even family photos or portraits, etc., etc. I don't think portraits is a proper word to use. Portraits is more of a drawing, so I'm going to stop saying that. So family photo shoots, you know, etc., etc. Give us a chance. You can go hit us up at, um, you can go inquire us, I believe. My, my apology. Acquire us at facebook.com slash Lil Dreadhead Productions. You can also hit us up at our Instagram at Lil Dreadhead Productions. And you can hit us up by email at Lil Dreadhead Productions at gmail.com. You can acquire us from any of those three places. We are very vocal or very, what is the word, Intent, intuitive. We can, we hit you up immediately as soon as you hit us up. So hit us up. For any of your needs in the the local St. Louis area, I can't do much if you're all the way in fucking Alaska or some shit. So, I mean, yeah. But uh, with that being said, I am Lil Dreadhead signing off. Deuces.